It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch. Can't wait, can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Adrian Lizer here with Jake Hatch. And Hatch, how are you? Doing all right. How it are you is doing? football week, and luckily for us, you and I get to kind of kick off the week here on the Zone Sports Network as we're here Saturday. We do. And we get to kind of do our preview of what's to come mm-hmm. uh, this week on uh, the national and the college local college football ranks is the big game obviously is thursday but there's a lot going on this week it's pretty exciting it's finally here thank goodness that we are uh, on our way to finally having some college football games our eight months of torture is over college football is back in our lives officially this evening as miami and florida will square off at camping world stadium in orlando florida followed by a trip all the way out to the islands we're talking two separate like spectrums of the of the country you can go to adrian florida go all the way to hawaii to watch khalil tate and the arizona wildcats take on cole mcdonald and the hawaii rainbow warriors football's here let's go that's a great game too miami uh miami at florida and then well i guess it's at a that's in orlando that's not a it's a neutral side game in the middle of the state yeah But uh, that's gonna be a, that's a great way to kick things off. Miami being a team that's always overhyped and then they underdeliver, but they're fu- they're not ranked this season finally. And uh, Florida, eight, Florida is though is expected to be eight. pretty decent. Yeah. Um, so it should be interesting. We're going to talk a lot of college football today. Um, the AP Top Twenty Five came out this week. We can talk right. about our reactions. Um, we're obviously going to talk about the games, and you're going to hear from a couple of voices that have been on the Zone Sports Network this. Week, including uh, Paul Meyerberg of USA Today Sports, Cam Meller of Pro Football Focus, who did a comprehensive ranking of every single division or FBS starting quarterback, wow. ranked them one to one thirty. Okay, and uh, I want to get into where he put the local guys and also uh, some opponents across the country of our local teams. So. Uh, should be pretty interesting in that sense. It was a great conversation that was on with Tony and Austin as well. So we did it, though. We finally made it. Did you get all your last golfing in? Did you <laughs> say goodbye to the wife and kids as they'll never see you? For My wife and kids have already said bye to me a month ago. My wife legitimately the first week the fall camp opens, she essentially says see you in December. And I I do work a lot. You know that. I, I'm at practices oh, yeah, we all, all the time. I, yeah. We're all over the place. All of yeah. us are. But I, she, she essentially says, okay, we'll see you in December because she knows I'm going to be on the road out covering stuff all the time. I spend a lot of evenings away from the family. And it's tough. There's no doubt about it. Being a dad and everything, it's tough. But it's also what a great time of year. I, I love this time of year. It's what I live for. It's why I got into this business was to cover this time of year in particular. Mm-hmm. I love all sports. You know that. I'm a big jazz fan, a big NBA guy. But college football and the NFL to maybe a little slightly lesser degree, that's my jam right there. And I, I, I look forward to it every year when it comes around. Well, we have such an exciting um, fall here in the state of Utah. Correct. So I think we've all just kind of been waiting around for it to happen because there's different – but high expectations on so many teams, including the Jazz. Yes. I mean, you want to talk about a grind to sit through 82 NBA games, but <laughs> um, and then plus playoffs. But there's yeah. there's so much excitement around this state for pretty much every fan. Correct. 
I mean, if you're just an NBA fan and you don't, and there are people out there who are just into the Jazz, they don't care about college football. Mm-hmm. They look at the scoreboard to see if Utah beat BYU, then they move on with their days. But there's expectations there. There's uh, you go to Ogden at the FCS level. <laughs> Weber State's they're expecting big things again. They're back to back Big Sky champs. They made a run for a national title last year. Yes, and they're looking for that. And then of course Utah State's looking to break on the scene in the G5 level. BYU toughest schedule the start of the season for anyone in college football and then of course utah who everywhere you look is a dark horse college football playoff team yeah and that's that that's the fun part about it regardless of where your rooting interest lies you've got something to look forward to Mm -hmm. and that's natural i think for every season every team like there's always the hope springs eternal whenever season starts well this could be our year we could break through we could surprise people but legitimately this is this is the biggest year uh, i would put the three college football teams and the jazz together this is the most looked forward to year that i can remember combining all of the teams it's been yeah i I i can't recall it myself like there have been years where yeah you've had byu and the jazz be good utah and byu be good there's been times utah state on the rare occasion has stepped up and had good seasons but you're right. The combination of those four mm-hmm. in particular with the hype, the expectations, everything going on with these teams. Yeah, I, I can't recall anything like it in recent memory. So, uh, yeah, a lot of college football talk today. Let's kind of get in. Do you want to start with the game or do you want to start with the rankings? Uh, Where do you want to go to start let's today? Go with, let's go with rankings. Why let's not? go with the rankings. Yeah. So the AP Top 25 comes out this week. Correct. Um, Utah finds themselves in the AP Top 25 for the first time since joining the Pac-12 as a preseason uh, team. Correct. But yes, they're at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, the obviously the the big wigs are at the top, and that's your Clemson, your Alabama, your Georgia, your Oklahoma, your Ohio State. But as you get down into things, Utah finds themselves right in the middle of the known. Household names of college football, Jake. And I find that very interesting. Now, they're behind Oregon and Washington. That's I want to bring that up in a second. And uh, we'll get into that and where they stack up against the Pac-12. But if you're looking at this and you're next to Penn State and Washington and Auburn and A&M and Texas and Notre Dame, Mm -hmm. those are the names. Those are now probably I would pick more. I wouldn't pick more than three teams to have a chance of winning a national title this season. Because that's just where we are and right now in college the three football. Teams they're sitting at the top of yes. right now. I would assume those are the three that have the biggest chance, and one of those three will. Yeah, but that's a that's high praise. I think I think around here people are expecting them to be very highly thought of in the polls. I I think we knew more about it around here than necessarily all the other top twenty five people. But they at least got in. I think their lowest ranking was twenty four. Their highest ranking was five. Somebody had them five. Yeah, wow. I believe Kirk Bowles from uh, the Austin American Statesman had them around five. So, a wow. lot of they're all over the place, but they're in everyone's mind as a team that can uh, that can get things done. And by my money, I think Utah is probably in the top fifteen anyway. The team that has the most upward mobility, like the possibility of upward mobility because of their schedule and how good they, we think they could be. Interesting. I, I would agree with you in one regard in that, in that respect because 
This is a team that's been tabbed as the Pac-12 champion. Yeah. The, if you remember Pac-12 Media Day, the, the the Utes were picked to be the Pac-12 South champions, and then the majority of the media at Pac-12 Media Day picked them to be whoever comes out of the North to win the Pac-12 championship. Uh, so I would agree with you. If you are truly the Pac-12 champion, you starting at number 14, absolutely. Your upper mobility would suggest that if you have the season that you dream of, mm-hmm. a undefeated or maybe an 11-1, 12-1 season, that's a top-five caliber season. Yeah. And that would be the upper mobility like you're talking about. Yeah. You, you're jumping a, almost a full 10 spots at that point. The interesting part to me, though, is Utah tabbed as the Pac-12 favorite mm-hmm. is the third-ranked Pac-12 team in this poll. Yeah, we come back to that argument after Pac-12 Media Day when – what was the the argument was did, was Utah really picked to win the Pac-12, or did Oregon and Washington split all the votes, thus giving Utah the most votes? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, 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 I it's weird. <laughs> Polls are plus these may have to do a lot with last season too, and Utah is a less known commodity than Washington and Oregon. Correct. Which I think is most this preseason poll is just guessing who yeah. they think is going to be any good, and but, they think ah, oh, Pac-12, Oregon, Washington. Yeah, Oregon. We've we've seen the hype for Justin Herbert and whatnot during this offseason, them recruiting well and trying to become the Alabama of the West, that type of stuff. I get that, but we've had all kinds of talking heads, national media types, who have come on our airwaves here on the Zone Sports Network over the previous feel it was like the previous eight months, and have said Utah, 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 dark horse college college football playoff team. Utah mm-hmm. is this. Utah is that. How do they end up the third-ranked Pac-12 team? That just, to me, kind of is a little bit strange to me. But you're right. They do have that upward mobility. If they are truly that elite team, the best team in the Pac-12, and they have the season that they, their fans, the program itself expects to have, that would lead me to think if they do have that type of season, that's a top-five caliber season at the end of the year. And that's Yeah, we're talking New, York's, uh, New Year's six. Uh, caliber team, right? Yes, correct. That's I think right now that's what they're aiming for. I, I'm not going to pick them to go to the playoff. I think that would be that's a lofty goal, but it's not out of the realm of possibility, which I think is the important thing. To think. Yes. You look at their schedule. There have been other years where said Utah could have a really special year, mm-hmm. and the goal was what to win the South and maybe win a Pac-12 title game. And yep. try to find yourself in a Rose Bowl. This year, I think the actual goal is the Rose Bowl. Oh, it is. Kyle Whittingham, essentially. It, it, is. They have the team finally together yeah. to make that happen. They're starting in the 25, so it's not about, well, how many weeks until we see <laughs> Utah in the top 25 when yeah. they start 3-0. and So, uh, I, I'm totally with you. I think that's a top five caliber team based on schedule, based on what we believe they could accomplish on the field. That's going to, I think, put them up there. Because a lot of these teams... I, I could see Florida ending with three losses again. You know, LSU's got that schedule. Oklahoma, who knows what's going to happen there. Oregon and Washington, they're going to have to beat each other. And they've also got Washington State and Stanford to mm-hmm. contend with. So right. Notre Dame's always a question mark, even though they're good. So you're talking about teams that could drop off as teams go up, as Utah moves up. Quick note, two teams I think you're going to fall out of the top ten pretty quickly, Notre Dame and Florida. Yeah, I, I kind of get that feeling, too. I just don't see those two being teams that are, have the staying power. And I'm not saying they're going to drop tumble all the way out of the top 25. Mm. I just don't see them staying in the top 10. I, I could see them as a, a top 20 team, no problem. Right. Top 25, no problem. I just Those are just some of my thoughts on that. But it, it is interesting, though, in terms of the Pac-12, 
they have five teams ranked in this preseason poll. Yep. Which is actually a little surprising to me, considering the gloom and doom that's been over this conference for seemingly the last four or five years. But to have five teams, I believe they are tied for the second most, maybe the at worst the third most in terms of teams in the poll. Mm-hmm. I think the Big Ten has the most of all of them, uh, followed by the SEC, which I thought was tied with the Pac-12. I probably should have done my math before. I did four this. teams from the north, though, yeah. one team from the south. But five regardless yep. is a good sign for the Pac-12. Now you need those teams to go out and prove that they are what they are. I'm with PK. I think Washington State is a great sleeper pick in in the Pac-12. Always. If they figure out their quarterback situation, they've got everything else. All their pass catchers are coming back essentially from last year. They had a quarterback that can deliver the ball down the field. Watch out for Washington State. That could help the conference a lot. I think I was kind of surprised to see them at 23, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people because were. Because this, this was a team where three weeks left in the season was, hey, if things break Washington State's way, they might find themselves in the playoff. Correct, yes. And... I'm not saying that Washington State's a sleeper to to make me neither, but I'm saying last year they were considered. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think Mike Leach said it the best way at Pac-12 Media Days when he said it to our guys on our station. He said the media picked us to get our heads kicked in again, and we usually don't get our heads kicked in. (laughs) It's true, and he's he's right. He's right. Yeah, like you just go out there and take care of business. That system is set up to succeed. It's almost a well-oiled machine at this point. It's a plug-and-play system. It really is. You put a quarterback in there who knows anything about football ball feels yeah. like and they're gonna throw for four thousand yards in a season and rack up a bunch of touchdowns so that's a good sign i just think the conference as a whole for the pac-12 getting those five teams in the rankings stanford is a little bit of a surprise as well in my in my thoughts that they're 25 but if you have these five teams that are ranked currently go out and show what they can do that makes for a very competitive upcoming season in the pac-12 which leads to more national respect which i think we're all kind of looking for because Everything about Utah this year screams that they should be among the elite in the conference. The only problem is is that the national perception of the Pac-12 of late has been very down, so that's going to hurt them. If they can get a season where, yeah, four or five teams stay in the rankings all year long and Mm -hmm. continue to show what they can do, that only helps Utah so long as they keep winning in their own right. Yep, and uh, obviously some teams receiving votes. Fresno State of note, Utah State, uh, Boise State Mm -hmm. in there as well. Virginia, Bronco Mendenhall's uh, yep. team. Arizona State, Arizona, USC all received votes as well. So opponents of local teams mm-hmm. um, well represented in the poll, even if it's just in the other receiving votes category. Correct. It is kind of surprising. USC, only one vote. I wonder who where they were who they were picked by. I'm assuming it was like a 25th or something like that because yeah. that would normally indicate what it was. But USC, I think PK said it earlier this week, the first time since 2001 that they are not ranked in a preseason poll, which is crazy to think about. But you go 5-7, and seven, your coach is on the hot seat. Apparently yeah. everybody thinks that Urban Myers just sitting there waiting to take this job type of deal. I completely understand why they're being overlooked. Yeah, that's that's an interesting conversation in itself. <laughs> he was he up is. on the hill. I know. And up in Logan. Yeah, he went up to Logan. Did he go to Provo? I don't know if I ever saw him. I don't know. I don't, I would, I don't think so. I would doubt it. Come on. Yeah. This, this guy put urinal cakes in the urinal cakes in the urinals at Utah to make his players like legitimately despise BYU. So well, BYU know. urinal cakes. I would hope that they use them in general. But well, yeah, but, but I'm just saying he, they're like BYU stamped ones. Like yeah. it was it was part of his plan. To his credit, he had a great run here, and yep. he beat BYU both times. He was the head coach, so he's done a lot of good coaching, a lot of bad things as he's. There's. Gone. 
plenty of yeah. off the field shenanigans that we can get into. But yeah, yeah it's just the, the the overarching theme with this poll is like you said. You said it earlier on in the segment. This is a prediction. These are these are people looking ahead to the season mm-hmm. and trying to make sense of what happened coming off last year and looking ahead to this year. I tend to subscribe with a lot of people when I say that I don't think a poll necessarily is accurate until after the first month of the season. That's kind of when I start feeling like you can really kind of gauge how teams look. I know there are people that tell me, I I think PK said November when the college football playoff ones come out. That's when he thinks it's the most accurate. Okay, I get that. I feel like after about a month, I finally have a a vibe or a gauge on how Mm -hmm. teams look and then we can kind of go forward from there yeah it's mostly just something to talk about but yes. i'm i'm not necessarily a fan of it coming out either especially for teams um that are really good but start outside the top 25 yeah. and it seems like their rise in the rankings is always so much more incremental like it's Correct. slow yeah because people uh i think tony and austin were talking about earlier this week that people want to be right about mm-hmm. their predictions and their voting and you're not supposed to use the the poll as a predictor you're supposed to use it as as a ranking system yeah. but voters tend to not want to admit that they missed on somebody My so they'll just be like well i'm just gonna say it's missouri say kelly bryant turns out to be this amazing quarterback yeah. and that just means trevor lawrence is just the next whoever amazing mm-hmm. quarterback at clemson so kelly bryant lost his job Correct. what if missouri starts six and zero or something and they maybe they only get to 17th in the country because people don't want to move them up because they had them out of the top 25 to begin with yeah. so i'm with you there should be some waiting because this doesn't mean anything to me other than it holds teams back i think it does a little bit and like a team like army let's okay if you're looking at others receiving votes if you want to yeah. project out they're technically 27th in terms of votes received right now well, the United States Military Academy, I have a hard time believing. They had a great season a year ago, Adrian. They won 10 games, just absolutely phenomenal. Came within, a, it feels like, a, a breath of beating Oklahoma on the road at Oklahoma. But this is a team, Army. If they get inside the top 15, I'd be stunned because, like what you just said, the, these polls, the, these they they want they want to make sure they look smart so they're going to be yeah. very reticent to be like you know what army's really good i'm going to move them into the top 10 that's not right. happening what if army wins their first game against michigan yeah they're not all of a sudden going to be moved in the seventh they'll be 24 yeah they won't move into seventh yeah. in the country yeah. even though they probably even though they beat should. the seventh yeah. team in the country yeah, yeah they should move up but they're yeah they'd move up into maybe the top 25 or maybe the top 20 at very right. best you're right so that that aside, it's nice. Still fun to look at, I yeah, guess. It's still fun to look at, and it's just nice that football is back, Adrian. We have actual college football kicking off tonight that counts. Like, none of this NFL preseason, no high school scrimmages, no college scrimmages. We have actual football that has national title implications, and I'm speaking mainly of Florida, if they are actually what they're propped up to be, which I don't yeah. believe they are. Well, you got to go out and take care of business against Miami starting tonight. So, and it's a P5 versus P5 matchup, which is always nice. It is. And, well, I think one other thing, Adrian, we're celebrating the 150th anniversary of the found of college football's invention. 150 years ago today, 1869. Wow, there's a stat. The CFB 150, it's something to track all year long. There's a mm. lot of commemoration. Who won stuff. the first national title ever? Uh, I guess there was only one game, and I think Princeton won it. Yeah. Maybe Rutgers, so I guess Princeton was the, the first. The Mighty national. Tigers. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Are they the Tigers? Yeah, they are the Tigers. Okay. Princeton Tigers against the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, By which, by the way, uh, remember when we did a technical fouls a couple weeks ago in their stadium, the SHI Stadium? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw a picture of that this week, and it looks just as bad as I expected it really? to look. It says SHI has like like this, like almost, you could almost insert a T there and then put stadium. That's not great. It's going to be bad. That's not It's going to be really bad. That's a, as they say, that's a bad decision. Oh, it is going to, there. it is just tempting every fan who gets pissed off about a win, or a, oh, sorry, not a win, a loss yeah. for Rutgers this year to go and, you know cause an issue yeah exactly uh all right well we're we'll hit a break on the other side we'll break into uh the local games coming up this week as jake and i will only have a chance to react next saturday so maybe we'll get into what we think might be coming yeah, up all three teams will be done by next Saturday. yeah which they? is great for us yes it's great for us but that's crazy to think about yeah so uh it's it's going to be a fun couple of weeks now here for a fun 12 weeks here on the saturday show as we're going to get to preview and uh, react to at least the first week of games as Utah State heads out to North Carolina to take on Wake Forest. Correct. And BYU is hosting Utah. We'll get into that coming up here on the other side. This is the Saturday Show on the Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Adrian Miser with Jake Hatch. I'll be with you for a couple hours here, and then I got to zip on over to a volleyball tournament heading up to uh, Ben Lomond High School. Sweet. So they're building a brand new sports complex up there. Are they for Ben Lomond? Cool. I know their football team in particular has been affected by it because they're having to play like some city community area, like a, a field, oh, field? Like stadium. Huh. Like, I, I think it's a stadium, but they're having to play at that stadium while this new complex is being built for Ben Lomond. Ben Lomond's been down for a bit. It'd be cool to see them kind of rebound. So the Scots, the Scots. Come on, that's a great nickname. Yeah, a lot of construction. I, I'm at Brighton now, coaching volleyball, and they, uh, the school's being built. Oh, I forgot. Right about that. next yeah. door to the current school, yes. and kids are in school in the old school while the new one's being built. <laughs> Good luck so we're in the old gym this year, and Good luck parking there. Yeah, luckily I don't have to show up till after everyone's gone. That's so. good. That's always well. Good. As the kids are leaving, as they teach your children how to drive, please. I've almost been <laughs> run off the road like three times already. I can believe that. Actually. So, Jake, when your children get of age, A, don't let them get a license and make them walk everywhere. And B, if they do get one, teach them how to drive safely and correctly. But, yeah, this I will do it. There's so much construction going on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty interesting to watch, but everyone's kind of navigating, getting around. So, Well, we appreciate you joining us for as long as you can. Yeah. I know you're here for the first two hours, roughly, and we'll let you go do your thing. How is Brighton looking, by the way, before we get into... For volleyball? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Good. I think they're... Uh, we're. We're going to turn some heads, I'm pretty sure. Sweet. uh, Of course, uh, they won state titles in the early 2000s. Jeremiah Larson, who's now the head coach at Weber State, was once the head coach at Brighton High School. Okay. And, uh, of course, anybody who's a volleyball historian knows he was part of the national championship team at BYU. Correct. uh, In the 90s. But... Uh, now he's up at Weber State doing an incredible job up there, as all of our coaches here mm-hmm. in the state do, local college. Um, make sure you go watch some of that anyway. But we're going to – I'm excited. It's going to be good. We've got a lot of depth. Really young, but well, we've got like 
More than half our team is sophomores and freshmen. Okay. So. Well, the Saturday show is firmly behind the Brighton Bengals. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. There you go. Uh, but anyway, uh, college football now that, which is more what people care about, they uh-huh. don't care about. Uh, our coaching careers but uh, you can follow Jake on Twitter at Jacob C. Hatch you can follow me at AP Lizer. Jake does Locked On Cougars a daily BYU athletics podcast so make sure you go catch that as um, he has that one every single day part of the Locked On Sports Network correct and uh, five minutes of soccer will be later in the show where you can talk about all your <laughs> soccer stuff I'll be gone by then so all thankfully right. I'm out all right. uh, but anyway BYU Utah That's we'll talk about this one first because that's the first one up on the schedule Okay. Finally, it's here. I'm so sick of talking about what I think is going to happen. I want to know what happens. I want to watch it. Yeah, I'm with you. And so I'm excited that it's officially game week. Uh, it was last Thursday, but uh, it's a short week, obviously. But initially off the bat, what are how are you feeling about this game? Mm. I'm kind of... I still can't get a, a read on this game. I can't really either. I think I just have to pick. I'm picking Utah because I think they're the better team, and they've won eight in a row. And so I think they've got more talent, better team, all that. But then you throw in all the cliches, but they're actually true, all the cliches, which is it's a rival game. This game, anything can happen, blah, 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 all that, which is all true, but we just have to say it because we have to. But uh, I, I – th- Initially, my read on it early is that I think it's going to be another Utah victory. I have said it before. I'll say it again. I know there are certain BYU fans that don't like hearing this, but I am picking Utah until BYU proves they can win this game. That's that's the kind of the the motto I've taken in regards to picking this game. We'll see what happens. Uh, we've been doing so. This is actually this year is the 100th playing of this rivalry game. And, of course, that's by Utah's reckoning because BYU doesn't recognize the first six matchups because we were Brigham Young Academy. And I, oh, Give me a break. You played the games against Utah. It's just <laughs> call it what it is. But we've been counting it down on DJ and PK from 100 days. I know. Day. I got to do two fun fact days when I filled in, that's and pretty, I thought mine were pretty good. Good. Well, earlier this week, I talked about – so the day number, day number seven was earlier this week, and uh, – you, t- you talked about when you talked about this game how close it always is it, traditionally yes in the last 25 matchups from 1993 on which is the first 34-31 game just kind of funny how that shook out well in those 25 games how many games do you think of the 25 have been within 7 points the final vic- the final margin of victory I don't know I would, of how many out of 25 20 20 correct okay yeah. 80% of these games have been within a touchdown. Because, yeah, I was thinking there's a couple in my mind that were bigger. Oh, yeah. So, but most of the time I envision it being close. Yeah, and that's this game, it just traditionally has always been a close game. The s- simple fact of the matter also is the University of Utah has made the plays that have won them nine, or, well, eight in a row going on nine coming up, which would tie the all time record in series history. This game. I think the hype for it has been building all summer long. Uh, Social media has just been insane this week. Let me tell you, let me ask you a question because it's been so long and we've just been talking about it for months and months and Uh months. Do you like the fact that it's at the start of the year because it's just really prolonged all this out and now no one has anything left to talk about until they actually get out there i do like it myself from a scheduling standpoint love that it's the first game of the year from a this standpoint i'm like holy cow it has been talked about a 
lot. It's like how we've talked about, we've had to compare Ricky Rubio and Mike Conley for the last True. few months. Yeah. It's like, I am so over comparing those two. <laughs> I would like to just watch what Mike Conley can do in a jazz uniform. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's one of those things. I think it's just, it's this type of game. And regardless of when it's played, it's talked about, but this is, they played the final game of the regular season a year ago. Yep. And now that we've had nine months, roughly nine plus months of talking about this game, which is the first game of the following season. Right. It has been a lot of talk, a lot of fans going back and forth. And this week, it's just, you know how it is. When the game finally gets this close, it just goes up 10 notches. It feels like social media has just been all over the place. Uh, you see, you've seen my tweet deck I, have, yeah. I work with. and Yeah, I've seen it. I don't know how you work with it. <laughs> I think you got a few too many columns there. Yeah, but it's all right. But you're, the, one of the, you're one of those tweet deck guys. Yes. The fans are just going nuts on both sides of yeah. this. But that's what makes this rivalry truly great is the... The fan bases are so invested in it, regardless of both sides saying, well, we're over it. There, there's, there's always those people. Well, I'm over this. It's You're not over it. Let's be real. You're not over this rivalry. It is it is a rivalry for a reason, and it exists, and people just eat it up. I have friends. And they don't really get it outside of. No, like, they don't. They don't. It's always ranked as like, what are the top five rivalry games? Yeah. And it's always in there, but no one really understands it. You can live here to understand Yeah, it. and I think uh, that's what makes it so special. I know someone covering the Utah-BYU game on like the national, from like a national for ESPN or something. Because I think that game's on ESPN, right? Yeah. Correct. It um, and they're like, how is the game? And I'm like, you don't know until you get there. It's going to be, I told her it's going to be an amazing experience. Yeah. Because... If you haven't come from a place that has a huge college football following and then you put these two schools next to each other that have such history and they're only 40 miles apart, <laughs> like it's it's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of Duke UNC a little bit like little it's there's such and such close proximity. And uh, so I, I said, you're going to really enjoy it because it's going to feel different than maybe some other rivalries out there. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. You just you kind of look at it and you go you go around and you just you listen to the fans talk about this rivalry. They go back and forth all the time and it exists in everyday life. Mm -hmm. I have family members and this is probably surprising to most people to hear that don't care about sports for the most part. Just don't, it's just not their thing. Like we're talking blood family members of mine. Oh, you're talking about my entire family. I'm the only sports lover in my family. But this game, they pay attention. They pay attention. They care about actually. And that, see, that should show what this rivalry means to this state. I have the same. Like, my my parents aren't really big sports fans. They didn't really understand why I got even into this business. And they even, they'll say, oh, why? They, last year they called me after the Utah BYU game and said they stayed up late watching. <laughs> they never stay up late watch a football game. But they had, you know, my, my mother works for Utah, and so they had the game on, and they had a few people over. They would never do something like that. But this game, like you say, kind of, it draws people out of the casual oh. fanness or even just the non-really fanness, not sports fan, Correct. into watching a game yeah. and uh, find it exciting. Yeah, they're, they are all in for the the most part on this game and it's just it's it's a game that goes beyond just the realm of sports 
It's just it permeates everyday life here in the state of Utah. I love the rivalry. I always have. I, I think it has changed since Utah Utah and BYU went two different paths. Of course, Utah going to the yeah. Pac-12 and BYU went independent. It changed the stakes, I guess, in the game. Mm-hmm. But it is still just an absolutely massive game. So uh, we were talking on Tony and Austin mm-hmm. on thursday about who's under the most pressure in this game or who faces pressure in this game okay uh in a general sense where do you think most the pressure lies with which team and how much of it lies on which team austin says all the pressure is on byu and i i think i agree with him because utah they're approaching this as they've won eight in a row and they've got bigger fish to fry in the scheme of things i'm not saying they don't care about the game but they can still achieve a lot regardless of how the outcome of this game happens. Or does Utah face the pressure of keeping the streak alive and maybe keeping a season going, starting a season at 3-0, and heading into the attempt to go 4-5-6-0? Well, okay, so we talked about in the first segment that Utah, their goal this season, I think most of us would agree, I think Kyle Whittingham has alluded to this fact, the goal for this year for Utah is the Rose Bowl. It's Rose mm-hmm. Bowl or bust. They want to go to Pasadena. You can lose this game and go to the Rose Bowl. Let's be. They want to go to Pasadena without having to play UCLA. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But let's be clear. They can lose this game and go to Pasadena and play in the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. But you lose this game and the national vibe around your program dies off for at least a month in my mind. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I actually think there's pressure... Um, I'd say more pressure on BYU because Kalani Sitake has got to uh, figure out how to beat his rivals. And the, there's been a, some tepid responses from uh, some boosters, et cetera, around the BYU football program that he is one and eight in his head coaching career at BYU against their three chief rivals. Speaking of Utah, Utah State and Boise State. Mm-hmm. So there's pressure on that. I would say there's more pressure on BYU because this would kick off their season. They snap the streak. It sets them up to springboard into that Tennessee game and, and beyond. So I would say if I were to use the split here, if you wanted me to do percentages, I'd say it's a 70-30 split. Mm. More pressure on BYU, but there is some pressure on Utah because Utah, yes, they can go to the Rose Bowl with losing this game, but they want to keep that streak alive. And if you win this first game, guess what? The national attention stays on you. You go out and lose this game, the national attention's like, uh, okay, we'll check back in with you when Pac-12 play starts. Right. Because they're playing Northern Illinois and Idaho State the following two weeks, and national media is like, yeah, snore. No, no thank you. So there is pressure on Utah to get this off to a, a solid start, get off rolling 1-0 and and on your way to a 3-0 and theoretically, which is what we expect in the non-conference. But it's still – it's just a perception thing, I guess. It seems saying. like the mental pressure yeah. is like 100% on BYU. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that's one thing – Like. Um, that's why I liked what Austin said. He's, he said they've lost eight in a row. Correct. Somebody needs to step up it's and been a do decade. this. It's been a decade. Right. It's so, been, it's like at a certain point, eight in a row is enough is enough. Correct. And they, they're going to have that pressure because there is so much tension with BYU fans in terms of this, this yeah. game in particular, this rivalry in particular, that if they were to win this game on Thursday night, the collective exhale out of Provo might cause 50-mile-an-hour wins. <laughs> and you think I'm joking. I'm, and that's more of a, a figure of speech. But yeah. they want this win so badly, they'll give their left one, as PK likes to say, to get it. 
I, I, and I, I, I'm serious. There are, there are people that would do that. No problem. Yeah. So I think the bigger pressure is on BYU, but there is pressure to a lesser degree on Utah just to get things off to a good start here and really keep the hype train rolling. Because you lose this game, like I said, you lose the game, and then all of a sudden the national media is like, well, okay, Utah can rebound, but I'm not gonna. Why would I watch them until October starts when they go to USC? Like, there's no point because right. they're playing Northern Illinois and Idaho State. They're probably not gonna watch those games anyway. Yes. But even if they win the first one, but you're right, it does. They nominally, they have to look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'd be looking at it because Utah won this first game. They're still ranked, et cetera. So yeah. that's where the pressure lies on Utah. But you're right. The mental pressure, just the the guys, weight of the fact that the rivalry has swung yes. so heavily. Go get this. We've seen it a couple times over the hundred years. Correct. Where it has so Utah obviously early was mm-hmm. completely dominant and then the Lavelle years changed and it was BYU. But it hasn't really been like there's been a couple long streaks, but wouldn't nine be the record? Nine ties the record. Nine so ties the record. On both sides, there's a nine-game win streak. Okay. Bell had a nine-game streak against Utah, snapped by Scott Mitchell, actually, of all people. Right. He's a legend because he does it. And the other one is Utah. Uh, they actually had a 22-game unbeaten streak, hmm. but only nine in a row in terms of wins. There were ties mixed in. This is in the early days right. of the rivalry. Okay. But 22 games unbeaten huh. in that series. PK and DJ talked about it earlier this week that Zach Wilson legitimately could cement himself as a legend in BYU football history for one reason, and all he has to do is go out and beat Utah. At some point in his career. Yeah, just snap the streak. Yeah. You'll be a legend. Because think about it. Scott Mitchell had a fine NFL career, but I think most of us think about Scott Mitchell as the guy, the Utah quarterback who went and engineered this upset of BYU, blew BYU out when it looked like that streak was never going to end for BYU during that era of LaBelle mm. Edwards. And he's a legend because of it. Yeah. So, Zach Wilson, dude, you want to become an all-timer. All you got to do is win one game. Yep. And you have three years, I guess, to do it, technically. So, we'll see. And he has said he doesn't want to be – he said, I think he's a, one of those guys who has never beat him. So, yeah, yeah. a little bit of shade at his former predecessors. Yeah, well, and hey, that – got a minute here. Yeah, we can talk about it. Okay. That comment right there actually kind of bugs me in a way. But I also understand why he's doing it. Yeah. It bugs me in the fact that, guess what, you have to – you should acknowledge the fact that, guess what, this is a program thing. We have yeah, lost this exactly. game. But he is trying to um, shirk some of the some of the uh, responsibility, maybe, or the angst. I uh, guess yeah. the angst that's being placed upon him by the fans. Yeah. He's trying to take some of that off of himself by saying, "Well, I wasn't here for that entire streak." Well, nobody's been there for the entire streak. Let's be real here. The well, oldest, he said his streak is one, didn't he? Yeah, his streak is yeah, one. He correct. said that earlier this yeah, week, something like that. Yeah. So. I get what he's doing there. I, I totally get it. it, but it bugs me because yeah. there's no player, there's no coach that has been at BYU for this entire streak. There's no nobody. There's no connection to the last time BYU beat Utah with Max Hall passing it to Andrew George. Mm-hmm. There's no connection. You got to still acknowledge the fact, you know what? We have lost eight in a row. We need to snap this streak at some point, and why not do it this coming week? And that that should be that should a program the, thing. Yeah, yeah I'm with you on that a little bit. Acknowledge it, but mm-hmm. I also get why he's going about it because he's trying to just kind of shed some of that. Keeps it loose on yeah. him, less pressure. And on Zach, him. I completely get it. He, and he's a pretty unflappable young man. I'll mm-hmm. freely admit that. But it, it did bug me for him to just kind of, you know what? Well, I wasn't here for the whole thing. My streak is one. It's like, well, guess what? There's eight in a row, and you're fan bases over here sitting on a decade there are kids born in the last 10 years that have never seen BYU and BYU beat Utah yep um and then real quick uh the other game of the week 
uh, will be Utah State as they look to make a splash, I would say, Mm -hmm. by going on the road. They take on Wake Forest on Friday night. That's a 6 o'clock. You'll hear it right here. We're the home. Yeah, and we are, of course, obviously the home of the Utah State Aggies. You'll hear uh, Scott Gerrard on the call on that one. Um, I like the opponent for Utah State. This is a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team. Um, they've found some, some success as they've gone along, but they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Utah State. I think this is a good way for them to start their year. It's not LSU right out of the bat Correct. you know, and or right out of the gate. And so they don't have to really be focused on going into Death Valley in front of that crowd. They're heading to Wake Forest, which will probably have a good crowd on hand just because it's – you know, the first game of the season. But I, I like Utah State's chances to go in there and prove that, hey, if Jordan Love is this good, he needs to do it against a team like this. And if Utah State wants to achieve some things, they're going to have to go in and win this game against Wake Forest as far as getting on that national stage. If this game was a year ago, I'd actually be a lot more worried for Utah State. You know, I'm you a, think so? You know I'm a nerd about college football. Yes. Wake Forest just graduated one of their all-time quarterbacks in John Wolford. Yeah, that's true. Had this been a year ago when he's a senior, I'm a heck of a lot more worried for Utah State going to Winston-Salem, having to travel clear across the country to play against a team like this. This is the right time to get a team like Wake Forest because mm-hmm. it notches a Power Five win. Like right. you said, that's a middle of the road power power of the five team Power Five team. You win that game, you get that notoriety in terms of winning a Power Five game. And guess what? This shouldn't be a this should be a team that's still trying to find out what they're going to have in the wake of losing John Wolford. I think he was a four year starter at quarterback for Wake Forest. Uh, they've done a good job, like you said. Wake Forest has had some good moments in the last couple of years, but this is a big time opportunity for Jordan Love to go out on the road against a Power Five opponent and show what he can do right away. Gary Anderson, of course, making his re debut as head coach mm-hmm. of the Utah State Aggies, also wants to get off on the right foot. I think this is a like you said a good matchup. For uh, for Utah State, I still worry just a little bit about the travel in terms of keeping guys focused, having to go to heat and humidity down there in North Carolina. But I think Utah State, I think Gary Anderson's been in enough games like this that he'll have his guys ready to go. Totally agree. All right. Uh, we'll talk more about this later in the show, as well as uh, preview the rest of college football and what to look for in week one across the country. Uh, coming up on the other side, it is time for technical fouls here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get it's that time again it is a technical fouls one of our favorite segments here on the saturday show i'm jay catch he is adrian Lizer. this is the saturday show on the zone sports network brought to you by our good friends at stockton 12 honda Thank them for their continued sponsorship of the program. But, Adrian, this is the segment where we get to just sound off on people doing stupid things in sports and just everyday life, I guess, all the way around. Oh, yeah. It's just it's fun. I I look forward to this segment because I, I each week I kind of look through and say, OK, mm-hmm. who's being stupid? Like, what are we doing? So that way we can break it down. I'm going to let you go ahead and fire off first today. I have a non-sports one to start okay. with. Oh. Uh, they're in uh, New Hampshire, a town in New Hampshire. Ooh. 50 years ago, they buried a oh, time capsule. <laughs> yeah. 
And when they opened it up, there was nothing inside. Correct. And uh, the combination apparently was sticky note to the back of the safe. I guess they didn't bury it underground, but they had it put away. Um, and yes, yeah, somebody stole all the contents of this time capsule. Or were they never put in there? Or were they never put in there? Is also a good question. So a technical foul on if you stole a time capsule, like what's wrong with you? <laughs> I think Alan Shepard, one of the first guys to go into space in uh-huh. the United States, is from this town. There was thought that he maybe put uh, some film or whatnot or some mementos from his time being a, an astronaut in that time capsule but it's been lost it's it, it's lost to history so whatever happened i think we'll never know yeah until the great beyond I but guess yeah we'll find out that's that. just that's just poor 50 societal years. rules right there you're not you're not playing by good societal rules there. 50 years it yeah there could have been some cool stuff in there yeah absolutely all right i got a technical foul we're gonna go to major league baseball uh former major league uh, baseball players octavio dotel and luis castillo have been arrested in the dominican republic on charges of drug trafficking and money laundering yeah. dominican attorney general jean alain rodriguez announced on tuesday earlier this week uh the target of the operation is caesar Emilio. Leo Peralta, known as Caesar the Abuser. That's quite the nickname. Uh, there are 18 other people linked to this network, including athletes and baseball players. Uh, Rodriguez said in a press conference, calling it, quote, the most important drug trafficking structure in the region, unquote. Well, both of these players have been accused of... Uh, of helping with drug trafficking, etc. Dotel spent 15 seasons playing for 13 different MLB teams in his career. Uh, was part of the Astros bullpen with Brad Lidge and Billy Wagner. He made over $40 million in his career. Castillo also played 15 seasons. He played 10 years with the, 10 years with the Marlins. He was a three-time All-Star. He led the majors in steals and won a ring with the 2003 Miami, uh, Florida Marlins at that point. He made over $56 million in his playing career. So you would think, okay, these are guys are combined worth a combined at 96 million that's what they made in their careers why are they doing this who knows i know that Castillo, spent it all probably maybe so castillo yeah. actually took to social media because he was cited originally before being arrested saying that well why would i need to be mixed up in drug trafficking i played all and like well dude what are you doing palling around with a guy named caesar the abuser <laughs> let's technical foul on that that is a big technical foul uh my next one is on we're going to track and field. Okay. Christian Coleman, who's the reigning U.S. national champion at the 100 meters. All right. Um, he's considered one of the favorites heading into the 2020 Olympics uh, until now. Oh, no. Which is um, his eligibility is being put on the back burner, I guess, as he has failed to show up for three drug tests to, you know, for some sort of drug test. And uh, it's kind of the the drug tested the doping agencies you're supposed to let them know where you are so that they can come do the test and he's missed three in a row and so the olympic committees are saying well a you're not showing up which is against the rules or b what are you hiding oh my gosh if you got nothing to hide why are you skipping out on drug tests and this is the guy who um him and Justin Gatlin yeah. are the fastest men for the U.S. Olympic team, and he might be missing the 2020 Olympics. So we're putting all our trust in Justin Gatlin, yeah. a known doper in the past. So great. This track and field is just as bad as anything else anymore. Right, and he's already qualified for the Olympics, but they might be like, well, 
And he's that's so dumb. Just yeah, if you have just show up, just show up and just do tell it. them where you are. The most of them come to you. Yeah, and now the what? What's the international agency that does doping? I don't remember what the yeah. acronym is for their thing, but they're all sitting there like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they're already suspecting what we all are kind of suspecting now too, and they just need to get evidence of it at some yeah. point. All right, I got one more before okay. we go here, Adrian. Uh, of course, the uh, miracle, uh, the movie about the 1980 yeah. Olympic hockey team. Well, Mark Pavlich of four on the 1980 Miracle on Ice U.S. Olympic hockey team. He went on to play for the New York Rangers and two other NHL teams in his career. Well, he's been charged with assault for allegedly beating a neighbor with a metal pole and breaking several of the other man's bones. Uh, the 61-year-old Pavlich allegedly attacked his neighbor last week at Pavlich's home in the late, small Lake Superior community of Lutzen, Minnesota after a return from fishing, authorities, alle- authorities alleged in the criminal complaint. Pavlich told him investigators he believed the man had quote spiked his beer unquote leading to the alleged attack first responders found the figure found the neighbor in shock with quote obvious disfigurement of his leg unquote he also had a bruised kidney two cracked ribs and a fractured vertebra dude whoops Take it easy, yeah, man. Yeah, that's He's too much. He's facing charges of second and third degree assault, possession of an illegal shotgun. That's always fun. And receiving a gun with an altered or missing serial number. So that's a good good way to go about things, Mr. Miracle. So rough rough go rough there. Rough go, yeah. I, uh, yeah. What did he spike your punch with there? Is it worth $250,000 in bail? I don't think so. Nope, it is not. All right. Uh, that's, that's a good week for technical files, Jake. Yep. A lot so. of people... Doing dumb things this yes, week. Very dumb. Um, coming up on the other side, we're going to let you hear some uh, of the voices that were on the Zone Sports Network this week, uh, including Paul Meyerberg and Cam uh, Morell from Pro Football Focus. That's all coming up next here on the Saturday Show.